Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Again, for those who don't know me, my name is Edin Botero. I'm honored to be speaking uh, this morning. Um, my wife and I oversee uh, movement student ministries uh, here at Horizon West Church, and we're so honored to be here. And before I get into the teaching, I want to give a couple shout-outs. Uh, Shout-out to John Hutchings. Uh, he's not here with us today, but he's there with us every Wednesday night with our students. It's good to have another adult when you have a bunch of teens running around being crazy. <laughs> so that's awesome. And also I want to give a shout-out to Chrissy Jennings. She's amazing awesome leader that we have. And then a big shout out to uh, Terry and Emily Daffron. They have been a blessing to the Horizon West community. They really created a space for students to really gather together. And I just want to honor them. I appreciate their efforts and all they've done uh, sowing into Horizon West Church and most importantly, sowing into these students. Um, going to get into the word today. I'm just going to jump in. Felt from the Lord to speak on uh, being about the Father's business. Uh, what that looks like and what that means. I'm just going to unpack that a little bit, but I'm just going to pray before we jump in. Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness, Lord, that you meet us here. God, we just ask, Lord, just prepare our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, again, if you're interested, if you want to get involved in movement, I forgot to say that. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes. Sometimes I can bunny trail a lot, so that's why I need these things. But um, if you want to get involved in movement, definitely uh, connect with me afterwards. We'd love to build our team. Again, I kind of was joking saying, I feel like, you know, we're, we're um, assembling the Avengers, but it's more like the Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's okay. <laughs> but my heart burns uh, for this younger generation inside and outside of the womb. I believe that they are future leaders, messengers that the Lord is raising up to lead and demonstrate the truth that Jesus has called us to walk out in the Great Commission. When we read the Bible, we understand early on that the Lord had a supernatural way of speaking to the body of believers, a way that he would communicate with them, edify and encourage them, and that was through prophecy. When reading the scriptures, we can see throughout the Old and New Testament that the Lord would give direction, he would give instruction and understanding to his people through these prophetic words spoken by his appointed prophets. Theologians have done extensive research and um, examining these prophetic words and over a thousand prophecies, messianic prophecies concerning the Messiah, and Jesus accurately fulfilled all thousand of them. I think that's amazing and a testimony to the accuracy of these prophetic words that God spoke in his word and the, the clarity of how prophetic the Bible is. And the cool thing about these prophecies is those, those thousand prophecies uh, pointing to a Messiah, there's also hundreds of prophecies leading to a generation and that are yet to be fulfilled. And I want to look at a prophecy in the book of Malachi. Just some background in the book of Malachi. I had to do some research myself, you know, I'm not a theologian or have done, uh, gone to Bible school or anything like that, but um, I wanted to understand the historical context um, and the setting in this book of Malachi. And in a nutshell, the Lord was using the book of Malachi to speak to God's people, to remind them that they can't be faithful to God's covenant in their own strength. And they fail time and time again. And God deals with their sin, but he never abandons them. 
and he promises to redeem them and to fulfill his covenantal promises through Messiah. And I want to look at a certain passage in Malachi chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 5 through 6. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. We're going to put it up on the screen as well. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And when he returns, and, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, how many of you heard this scripture before? Right? It's a popular scripture, and I know for me, a lot of times when I hear this, this scripture, I think 90% of the time, it's usually like an exhortation, which I believe it is, a word of encouragement. God's going to turn the hearts of fathers back to sons and sons to fathers, and this is going to be a, a moment of restoration and healing in the lives of these families, and I believe that. I, I, believe, I come into agreement with that, and I think that's what the scripture is communicating. But we also have to look at the scripture in its entirety, and in verse 6 there it says, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. I believe the Lord is moving in a generation. The Lord is awakening many, right, to follow his truth and to see the severity of the hour that we're living in. You know, um, just kind of taking a little commercial break. I have two sons, uh, for those who don't know. My oldest son is 12 years old. My youngest is 10. Um, I call them my sons of thunder. They're fun kids, uh, kind to others, great leaders. But as any parent can know, there's always two sides to a coin, right? <laughs> they can be wild. They can be strong-willed. And dare I say it, they can be lazy. <laughs> my oldest son has aspirations to be an engineer and own a business, and my youngest son wants to partner with him in business, and or, well, he has his options open too, he wants to pursue sports, or um, music, and the ever so popular career as a gamer. <laughs> but from as long as I can remember, Aiden, my oldest son, he's, for years, he's, he's had an obsession with Legos. How many of you guys have kids who love Legos? <laughs> no, maybe not so. Is there anybody here today? I don't know, just... I'm a youth pastor or youth minister guy, so I need some interaction. You guys got to kind of let me know you're here. <laughs> but my kid, one time we got, we got him a thousand piece Lego set and literally he finished it like in two hours. I was doing a prayer watch. We started and they ended and he finished the set. And I'm like, how did you do this? It's a thousand piece Lego set. So for his 10 year, um, for his birthday at 10 years old, uh, we got him a set. It was a Voltron uh, Lego set, 2,321 piece Lego set, finished it in a day. And I was like, oh my, I think it took him a day because he asked me to help him. He's like, dad, come on, can you help me? And so by the time I built one line, he already built two of the lions. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this kid is, is amazing with these Legos. Um, but the funny thing that he was, the proudest moment for him in that time, it was on the package, the box that says for ages 16 and up. And he's a 10 year old. So he was like, yeah, I could do this, you know? <laughs> and as any parent of a Lego loving kid knows that the room are littered with Legos. There's completed sets, modified sets, random pieces everywhere, Legos galore. I promise you there's a reason why I'm saying this. So one time, or so early on, Heather and I, we made a commitment. We said, you know what? We're gonna teach them some core values, right? As parents, we wanna make sure our, our, our kids are growing up in the right path and learning things. So the most basic thing we could teach our kids is how to keep a clean room, right? I, I think that's a, essential for, for kids to learn. And so, um, one day we were gonna go visit um, my wife's mom. She's, she lives out of town. 
and we're just getting things ready to him. I'm seeing the kids, they're playing, and their room is a mess. Like, it is chaos in there, right? I don't know if your kids are organized and neatly, but our, their room was a mess. And I was like, okay, we got to handle this. So I'm like, I, I popped in, I was like, you guys got to clean your room. And they're like, yeah, yeah, dad, we'll do that. And they're not cleaning it. So I had to give them an ultimatum. I said, all right, you have to clean your room, or I'm going to take devices away for you from you, right? <laughs> devices, you know, switch, iPhone, which I jokingly say to some parents, but like devices are like the pacifier of the 21st century, <laughs> right? Like they're just kids kind of zone out in their devices or whatever. So the moment I say that, they were like, oh, forget it. Like they're trying to clean their room. They're trying to rush around. Da, 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 da. They're doing everything that they can. And you can ask my wife, sometimes I tend to be a little bit more of the merciful one, <laughs> And like, I don't know if it's the pressure of like, for me, I feel like my kids' revelation of their heavenly father is gonna be based on how I love them. So that pressure, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wanna make sure I'm super great because our heavenly father, he's rich in mercy. Scripture tells us he's kind, he's slow to anger. And so for me, I'm like, uh, so I tend to be extra merciful, extra merciful. So during this whole process, I'm like, hey, but remember, you know, I told you, you gotta clean your room. You know, or like, hey, that doesn't look like a clean bed or pick up your Legos, the whole bit. Like, I'm just trying to like help them. Guys, I, you know, I said this, you have to do this. And just a little, you know, pro tip to some of the new parents, keep your word. It's so important to keep your word. I know uh, for me, for example, sometimes you go to a party and you're like, hey, after this, we're going to go get ice cream. Let me tell you, their behavior will change and they're expecting to go get ice cream afterwards. <laughs> you know, so you have to honor your word. But in the same time, if you give an ultimatum, are you going to discipline them? You have to keep your word. It's important for them to understand that. And it was time to go. I check in with the kids and the room's not even halfway clean. I look, the boys are in two separate areas playing with random Legos. And I told them, all right, guys, you know, I, I gave you guys an ultimatum. This is what's going to happen. You had to be disciplined. And the boys, you know, obviously, they protested. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. We can't do this. They tried to negotiate. But now mercy had taken another form. See, sometimes we think mercy is just removing punishment from when it's deserved. But it can also be allowed allowing individuals to experience a lighter judgment, or in this case, discipline. I looked up the word mercy, uh, and I found these two definitions that were interesting. Mercy is compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy, or other person in one's power. Another definition says, the discretionary power of a judge to pardon someone or to mitigate punishment, especially to send to prison rather than to invoke the death penalty. See, God is a God of love, and his leadership is perfect. And he is righteous and just in all his ways. And if he is perfect love and perfect justice, he will never withhold his perfect nature from us. So considering the accuracy of Scripture and the Word of God, when we look at Malachi 4, 5, and 6, again, that Scripture says, he will send the prophet Elijah before the great and awesome day of the Lord. He will turn hearts of the fathers back to children and hearts of children back to fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. I have a question. Is God a man that he should lie? No. So then why does, when we hear this scripture, why does this not bring the fear of the Lord within us? Why are we not moved to see that through biblical history, God mitigate punishment 
when there was an unwavering resistance against the commandment of God. Pastor Chris, for the past three weeks, um, he shared how the Lord's ways are higher than ours. And through the book of Habakkuk, the Lord would use the Chaldeans as a disciplinary judgment to draw his people back to him. Beloved, I, I believe that we need to be about the Father's business. In this prophecy, that is what God is calling fathers and children to be about, the Father's business. We need to be captured with his desires, his wills, and as ambassadors of his, as, of his kingdom, manifest this reality on the earth. A couple weeks ago, um, I was teaching at Movement, and we were talking about prayer. And I had an interesting perspective to cons- for the, the youth to consider. You know, the disciples, they did life with Jesus. That means they, they walked everywhere, they, they slept together, they constant conversation. They, they, were all, they, they did life together. They saw Jesus raise the dead, heal the sick, supernatural provision. They saw Jesus do all these amazing things. When we look at scripture, there's no account of the disciples in scripture saying, hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to raise the dead? You know, or they don't say, hey, Jesus, can you teach us um, how to teach the word with authority as you did, right? Because in the Sermon on the Mount, it says that, that after he taught, the, the people knew, the crowds knew that Jesus was one who spoke with authority. You think the disciples would be like, whoa, like teach us to be like you. But the thing that scripture documents, it says, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. Prayer is such a, a foundational thing for us as believers to be connected with God, right? Uh, sometimes I, I, I I talk to the youth, right? And a lot of times, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase holy anger. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it's Christian's justification to, to be mad. But um, holy anger, right? This idea of like standing up for causes of justice or standing up and, and being, you know, mad at sin. And, you know, we're like, Jesus turned tables, so uh, we, can, we can turn tables too, you know? <laughs> and they say these kind of ideas. And I think, man, but what did Jesus say when he turned those tables? You know? He said, my father's house is a house of prayer, but you made it a den of thieves. And this, this, this righteous indignation rose up within him. And I believe the Lord is, is, is calling us. What is the purpose of, of, of being in the house of God, right? Prayer essentially is a form of worship. It's a form of communion with God. We're, we're having a dialogue with the Lord and him back to us. And with darkness increasing on the earth, it's not a time for us to shrink back in fear or to wallow in complacency, but understand the urgency of the hour that we are living in. I'm not sure who coined this phrase, um, but my friend once said, silence in a burning house is murder. Silence in a burning house is murder. It's not okay what's happening on the earth, and it's not okay that the church in many ways have taken the back seat. And I wanna say, um, I know sometimes this might sound like a heavy word, I'm not coming Condemning, so please don't misunderstand, don't misinterpret uh, my tone. I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but I'm encouraging us to keep our eyes on what's important. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you." I feel like there's so many things pulling at our attention. There's so many things fighting for us and distracting us to what's important what God is calling us to. And Jesus is centering us to focus, to be about the Father's business. If you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2. Look at preteen Jesus going up to Jerusalem, 
him and his family, they were celebrating Passover and they were leaving. And uh, as they were leaving, there was a situation, which I also want to, just a little side note for you, fun thing for you to research if you want to look later. But um, a lot of times in Jewish culture, they celebrate what they call high holidays. And these high holidays are in scripture is known as the feasts of the Lord. Right. And a lot of times, again, we read these and we think, oh, it's Jewish tradition or it's the ways of the Jewish people. The scripture calls it the feast of the Lord. So these are feasts that the Lord has called his people to perpetually um, walk out for all eternity. Right. So I think it's a cool idea, something to look into. Um, but nonetheless, it's a cool idea for us to do their feast. God likes to have feasts. God likes to have parties. Right. Which is we can celebrate birthdays. God enjoys those kind of things. But um, I want us to look at this, this story right here. Many of us are familiar with this passage, but it, it, it came to my attention as uh, I was sharing this word. In verse 43, it says, And when the feast was ended, and as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Some translations say, I must be about my father's business. I want to say, you know, my shameless plug for movement was at the beginning of this message and I left it there. I understand, you know, not everyone is called to children's ministry or to youth ministry, and sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. But we're all called to be in the Father's house. Amen? We're all called to be about the Father's business. And I kind of was thinking about this as well. I come from a Spanish background, and I thought this is interesting, you know, this whole conversation being played out in Scripture. You know, and his parents are like, can you imagine, first of all, like a day's journey and you, then you realize, oh my gosh, not only Jesus, but the Son of God, the Messiah, is missing. <laughs> the pressure that Mary and Joseph must have felt and the panic of, right, any parent would know, losing your child. And them coming back and seeing him and then saying, what, what are you doing here? And his response being, don't you know I had to be about my father's business? Right? I was thinking, from, again, from a Spanish household, I would never say that to my mom. <laughs> My mom would pop me in my mouth so fast. <laughs> but the, the, the difficulty that, that Mary and uh, Joseph had to, you know, like, they're like, you're the son of God. I can't really <laughs> discipline you. I don't know. I just had that thought when I was reading the scripture, how interesting that was. But um, nonetheless, they understood that we, Jesus, even in this moment, was teaching us. Even as a youth, Jesus was teaching us. Wherever we are in our, walk with, in our walk with God, in our life, in our journey, from a youth to an elder, we must be in the Father's house. We must be about the Father's business. We need to understand that the prophecy in the book of Malachi isn't just a generational word for youth and old to be knit together, but an expression of the urgency for healing, restoration, and discipleship to be among the people of God. 
I want to read this scripture. You don't have to turn to it. You can write it down if you want to. Matthew 11, verse 13 through 15. I'm just going to read it real fast. It says, for all the prophets and the laws prophesied until John. Check this out. This is Jesus talking. And he says, if you are willing to accept it, if you are willing to accept it, John the Baptist, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Right? Considering Malachi chapter 4, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, God will send the prophet Elijah. I believe even Jesus here is saying what, what John the Baptist did, the, the nature that Elijah, the prophet, would raise up an apprentice or an, uh, another prophet Elijah with a double portion anointing, declaring the word of God. Right? I believe that this is what God is wanting to see happen within the house of God, in his family leaders who are investing in others, youth and old, that we're just all coming together and we're valuing restoration, discipleship, healing, That's, that that is present. And if those elements are not present, the latter will happen, right? Lest I come and strike the land with the curse. I believe the Lord is wanting to raise up leaders and bring restoration. As I was studying this and preparing the message, I felt like the Lord was bringing three things to my attention about being in the Father's house. And I want to look at the first one. Being about the Father's house, it's important that we seek God, seek the Lord, that we make a commitment in our hearts, that we're putting the first things first. We're seeking the Lord. Paul in the scripture says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We must seek Jesus until we are found in his likeness. Right? My youth pastor used to tell me, he would say, hey, preach the word of God, and if necessary, use words. Preach the word of God, and if necessary, use words. What does that mean? That means that we would have a lifestyle that communicates the integrity and the truth of who God has called us to be. Right? That we're not just shoving scriptures or, or biblical ideas down people's throats, but we are loving the way Jesus loved. That, that truly, when people see us, they feel the nature of God. And that can only be done through the hidden place of seeking the Lord, right? I love these songs that we were singing today. And I encourage the youth a lot of times, right? When um, every single week we talk, before we jump into worship, I have a, a short like two, three minute teaching. And I'm like, hey guys, you know, we just had a game time. You know, we just, we did a group activity. What are we about to do right now? What, who is this time for? And they always say, this is a time for God, Right? And that's what, when we worship, that's what we need to center our focus on, the Lord, building that connectivity with God. And when we do that, we're strengthened in our inner man, but as well, we can live and have grace to walk out this life of being in the, about the Father's business. The second thing I wanted to highlight was building community. I believe the Lord is calling us to build community. You know, simplified, building community is building towards a common unity, you know, this might shock some of you guys, you know, I, I, I love you. And my dad is a huge, huge sports fan, but I don't really watch a lot of sports. <laughs> and um, I know, that, you know, again, like so, I, I, a bunch of my friends, they love sports, man. They're always talking about this game and then this player and they're trading this person and that person. And I'm like, mm-hmm, oh, that's cool, yeah. <laughs> like, I just don't have that interest, right? But nonetheless, even though that there's that difference, right? I'm not like, oh, we can't talk, we can't hang out because I don't do sports or I don't like sports. I still find a way to connect to build community, right? I feel like so many ways, so, so many times we try to find excuses why not to have community, but we can gather around common unity. We can gather around the cross, amen? 
we can gather around Jesus. And I do like watching sports. So for you people who are like, oh my gosh, just do any sports? Like, I love the Super Bowl. I love the big games, right? I just don't track along all the time. But um, building community is so valuable to God and so important to building God's house, right? Like, what was Jesus doing in the temple, right? The Son of God, he still was asking questions. He was listening. He was, he was interacting with those in the temple, building community, growing in wisdom and knowledge. And the last point, I wanted, last point I wanted to highlight is we're calling others to follow God. Calling others to pursue the Lord. If you're unsure on how you can impact or how you can faithfully walk out the call and assignment, it's found in Jesus' commission to his disciples. The context will look different for everyone. So before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave us the great commission in Matthew 28 and the other gospels. And we know to raise disciples, we know the call to baptizing them, teaching them in all truth, and knowing that God is always with us. This is uh, the commission, the, the assignment that the Lord has given us. But the beauty of the body of God is that it looks different for everyone, right? Sometimes we get this idea of full-time ministry of, oh, I gotta be a pastor, or I have to you know, do this and, and, and work my way into the church. No, full-time ministry, like, like we never clock out in our faith, amen? We never clock out in our faith. So whether, I'm spe- whether you're speaking in here or investing in the youth or in the children, we are Christians 24-7, right? And we're calling others to build up Christ, to find the Lord together. And we do that in the Father's house, being about the Father's business. I just want to take a time to pray and just really consider this prophetic word, right? And even again, just bring it before the Lord, even in your own private time, as you're doing studies, as you have your time of devotional with God, that we would begin to say, Lord, I want to seek you. I want to build community. I want to lead others to follow you. And then begin to dialogue with the Lord. What does that mean for me? What does that look like for me? Does it mean that I'll just be more available to to my friends, to my loved ones? What does that look like? Being about the Father's business. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, he gives a picture of the body. And I say this to the youth sometimes. We would look kind of dysfunctional if we had, you know, 10 legs and six arms, right? That's kind of not normal, right? But God has made a design for what the human body is supposed to look like. And there's a part, essential part to every body, right? And the eye, can, the eye cannot say to the ear, I have no need for you. The mouth cannot say to the nose, I have no need for you. We need each other. Most importantly, we need you to be where you're supposed to be. We've been called to the kingdom for a reason. I believe the exchange that Jesus made on the cross, right? He passed the baton to us to continue this message to raise up a generation who would honor their fathers and as well that we would raise up the younger ones. Like I was saying, in the spirit of Elijah, right? In in the spirit of God, leading people to follow after the Lord. I'm just gonna pray. As we sing this song, if you bear witness to this message, it really rings true to your heart. I want you just to begin to just have a dialogue with the Lord, even here. Right, this, is, this is the Father's house. This is where we are called to have communion with the Lord. Just bow our heads as we pray. God, I thank you for your goodness, Lord. I thank you that you meet us. 
And Lord, we just come before you asking for your grace, asking for your leadership. We humble ourselves and Lord, we say we cannot do it without you. We can't live this life without you. We need your spirit. We need your grace. Lord, come and lead us this morning that we would continue to be on course. So even where areas where we may have been out of alignment, that you would bring us back into alignment. Lord, that we would even be bold uh, to repent and turn from areas that we may have drawn away from you and draw back to you. Lead us by your spirit and grace, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.